And those are the type of people that Connie and I want to surround ourselves with. Those are the type mm-hmm. of people that I want to be around as a leader. I want to learn from leaders who know how to lead with an optimistic perspective of a brighter future. Hello, hello. Welcome back, everybody. We are doing Iconic Women Part 2. And I have a surprise for you guys. Are you ready? Here's the surprise. It's a handsome boy sitting right across from me. Oh, thank you. (laughs) My hubby, Phil, is joining us today. I asked him because I told you guys this in the last podcast and many of my podcasts that um, everything I get that's either truth or really good wisdom is pretty much from Phil. So I wanted him to just jump on and chat with us today. And he always has some good insights. So welcome, babe. Thank you. And I love that this is being recorded because I can always go back and hear that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Very true. Okay. Also, you guys, he is my editor. So he's he's actually always been a part of the podcast because none of this would happen without him. He knows all the techie things. He does all the editing. So Thank you, babe. It's good to be with you. Okay. Well, we are going to pick right up where we left off. And we talked about Ruth and Esther last week. And this week, we are going to talk about Hannah and Miriam. So why don't we start with, we'll start with Hannah. And we're just going to kind of talk you guys back and forth, um, share our thoughts. And then, of course, give our takeaway question that we get from both of these women's lives. So, a little bit of background on Hannah, honey, just quickly for them, and then I'll read um, from the Bible where they can find her. I love this conversation um, when we talk about powerful women in the Bible, because I think oftentimes we can look at Scripture or the Bible and think that it's just all these stories about these men of faith. But when you look at Hebrews chapter 11, it talks about the heroes of faith. Mm. There's a list of women Uh, on that because the truth is, you know, God is no respecter of persons. He's Mm going to use whoever is available and whoever is willing to follow in obedience to his calling. And so Mm -hmm. I love that we're having this conversation because whether you read scripture or not, or whether you've read the Bible or not, uh, it really is the story of God's relationship with his people and how he used them for his glory uh, for where we're at today and, and for his future plan. And so when you look at the story of Hannah, you look at a woman who had gone through so much adversity, so much mm-hmm. turmoil. Mm-hmm. She was barren. She had a desire to have a child. It was mm-hmm. like the biggest thing on her mind. She mm-hmm. wanted to be a mother. And in that time period, if you were not able to conceive, mm-hmm. you were looked down on, you were looked yeah. less than. And so just put yourself in that perspective. Mm-hmm. And Connie and I really relate to this because we struggled mm-hmm. with infertility for years in our marriage. And so maybe you're listening right now. Mm-hmm. And you and your your spouse are struggling with this promise from God of having a child. And you can relate to Hannah mm-hmm. and you can relate to this feeling of less than or feeling like I'm not fulfilling mm-hmm. the true purpose of what I'm supposed to be doing in my life. Mm-hmm. And so 
let's set the let let's set the picture again. Hannah is this woman of God. She's trusting in God, yet she's barren. She's not able to fulfill this promise that God had on her life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we look in the scripture and we see out of this story comes this amazing, amazing truth mm-hmm. of how God fulfills the promise. But there's always a little bit of a twist to it, mm-hmm. which is what we're going to talk about today when it comes to leadership and when it comes to uh, the sacrificial living that we're called to in this life. Mm-hmm. And so that's the picture. So mm-hmm. I know Connie's going to share a little bit about the verse, but Hannah does eventually have a son mm-hmm. and they call him Samuel. Samuel. <laughs> okay. So real quick, if you guys want to read the story of Hannah, you can find the entire story in first Samuel, starting with chapter one. Okay. First Samuel, there are two books dedicated to the story of Hannah and then eventually what her son Samuel goes on to do, which is incredible things, you guys. Um, but she has the baby. Okay. So God gives her the desire of her heart, right? She's like, this is amazing. And then what does God ask of her, honey? To dedicate her son to the Lord. And this is actually where we get child dedications. <clears throat> we believe mm. that child dedication is the parent essentially saying, I'm committing to raising this child in the truths mm-hmm. of God's word, the biblical worldview, and I'm choosing to do that. So it's it's a little bit different when um, when you look at infant baptism or you look at some of those things we see in some other forms of the church. This is really where we get to see a clear picture of what does it mean to dedicate your child to the Lord. And for Hannah, this was a mm-hmm. big moment for her because what God requires of her at this moment is huge. Because she gets this promise fulfilled and then God says, dedicate, you know, this child to the Lord. And then God asks her to dedicate Samuel, not only to the church, but that he's going to live there. Yeah. And he's going to do a great work. And uh, essentially, essentially, she's not going to raise him. Yeah. Literally has this baby and God says, once he's weaned, he's going to go into the service of the Lord, you guys. And I just have to pause here as a mom. I cannot even fathom. Phil knows. I mean, all of you guys know who are moms. Like the second you even put a thought or a picture of us having to give up or something happening to our babies or like, I mean, it it is the most gut-wrenching, terrifying, most horrific thing I think any of us could even possibly think of. And she's faced with this decision now of like Phil said, the Lord saying, I have something great for him. And you get to be a part of that by honoring and trusting me that I'm going to use him for something bigger than you could possibly imagine. And here and here was her response, you guys. Okay. Um, she said, oh, oh, I'm sorry. Okay, here's what she says when she goes to basically bring him to Eli, who he's going to be, you know, raised under and mentored by. She said, I asked the Lord to give me this boy and he has granted my request. Now I am giving him to the Lord and he will belong to the Lord his whole life. And they worshiped the Lord there. I mean, that is some brave. I don't know, honey. I'm telling you right now. I, if some, if someone's going to ask me to dedicate my job, I mean, you guys, I'm telling you, I don't know if I could do it. Yeah. And you, you look at the Bible and you see this. I mean, God gave his one and only son. Yeah. You look at the the sacrifice, you know, with um, with Isaac and Jacob, and you look at these stories in the Bible, and you realize that I actually don't own anything. I, I'm called to be a steward. My leadership mm-hmm. is a steward for a time. My money is a stewardship mm-hmm. for a time. My marriage, my children 
which mm-hmm. is what we're specifically talking about when it comes to Hannah, that she was called to be a steward mm-hmm. of that relationship. And, 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 she, and she was stewarding it well. She mm-hmm. dedicates him to the Lord. And then God says, here's another step of obedience before you see the blessing. And that's always what, you know, precedes blessing is obedience. Mm-hmm. And so she, she does this, dedicates him. Um, and, and I think it's just, I, I, I told Connie, I want to expand on this a little bit because I think that we can look at when we receive what we've been believing God for, and then God asks for more of what we just received, right? You could be believing for your finances and, you know, for you to get out of debt and do these things. Mm-hmm. But, but God then turns back and says, but I want you to sacrifice this. What I see in this story is Samuel had an internal calling and an external calling. And all of us have an internal calling. We're all called to be sons and daughters of Jesus. We're, you know, we're called and kept. That's mm-hmm. what the Bible says in Jude. And so all of us are called you know, into a relationship with Jesus. All of us are kept by what Jesus has done on the cross for us. But what, what Hannah began to see is that, that Samuel had an external calling. What does that mean? That means that he was called for such a time as this to lay down his life for the gospel, mm-hmm. for the message to come forth, mm-hmm. for um, this story to be used how it is today, mm-hmm. how, we're, how you're hearing about it, you mm-hmm. know, so many thousands of years later. And so I think of this calling, Connie, that you and I have. We have an internal calling, but we also have an external calling. And mm-hmm. when we line up that external calling, we realize that that means that we're going to have to lay down our lives for certain things and mm-hmm. we're going to have to let go of certain things. And mm-hmm. for Hannah, she realized this external calling that Samuel had and was willing to lay down those early years. You know, she she still reared him. She still had a, a, an active role in his life, mm-hmm. but ultimately she knew he belonged to God. Mm. It makes me think of, obviously, missionaries. It makes me think of people who... You guys know I'm really, you know, passionate about child trafficking. And I think of those people who go into the deepest, darkest places of the world to, you know, save the kids. And just I think of people like that, that they remind me of Hannah. You know, they see the external calling and the eternal impact that that will have as being something greater than their temporary pleasures. Yeah. And I mean, I struggle with it. Phil and I struggle. We're just because we're he's a pastor and we're in ministry doesn't mean that we're just constantly, yes, Lord, whatever, you know, immediately it's still a struggle because we have this worldly flesh constantly pulling at us. But this is why we do this, you guys. This is why we read the Bible. This is why we keep reminding ourselves of these stories because we now can see thousands of years later what God has done through her doing that, which we don't have time to go into all of it, but basically, you guys, he ends up going on to eventually declaring Saul king and then, of course, David as king. And he just has a very impactful role um, in just the future of the Israelites and, and so many others. But we don't get to see that, right? We don't get to see what our sacrifice becomes. We have to lay it down in faith, knowing that God has something bigger and better for us than we could ever hope, dream, or imagine. And so from Hannah's story, what's the question that we want to ask them, babe, that we can take away? With where God has you now or the situation that you find yourself in now, you might relate to Hannah. You might be waiting on a promise or waiting on something to be a truth to be fulfilled in your life. Um, I would say keep waiting, Mm -hmm. keep trusting, and um, to ask yourself, how can I grow in this time of waiting and trusting? Now, maybe you're on the other side of where Hannah was when she fulfilled 
<laughs> the prophecy, the truth came to pass, but now you feel like there's another sacrifice to be made of the stewardship that you have. That could be in your leadership. It could be in your spiritual life. It could be in your finances. Mm -hmm. I don't know your current situation, mm -hmm. but what are you being asked to lay down for such a time as this mm -hmm. to go to the next level, whatever mm -hmm. that might be in your life? And so that's, that's what I would say are the biggest takeaways for me. So, so good. What are you willing to lay down or sacrifice to go to the next level in your life? You guys, that is so huge. You know, I talk about sacrifice so, so, so much and it's hard for all of us, but wow, just keeping that eternal picture and how God can eventually use us through it is what helps us take it step by step. All right. We're moving on. Let's do it. Okay. Miriam, you guys, we're going to talk about Miriam. Really quickly, the story of Miriam, um, th she does not have her own book. <laughs> there is not a book uh, called Miriam in the Bible. However, you can read about her in Exodus 2 and Exodus 15. You can read about her in Deuteronomy. Let's just paint a quick picture of Miriam. She is the older sister to Moses. If you don't know who Moses is, just you guys got to read all Exodus. It's, it's incredible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, all of it. Um, she's the older sister to Moses and Aaron, who eventually lead the Israelites out of Egypt and through the Red Sea. Many of you probably have heard the Red Sea story growing up at some point, right? Miriam's the older sister. She was there when Jochebed had to put Moses in a bed, right? Because the king was declaring that all the baby boys had to be murdered. You guys, this, there's some crazy drama in the Bible. You got to read it. Like I tell you, they should be making movies of this stuff. It's wild. He, he wanted to kill all the baby boys. Okay, let's, let's just, we're going short with it. And Jochebed put Moses in a little, I don't know, basket, so basket, to speak, yeah. in the Nile River and said, Miriam, go watch him and make sure that he he's safe to float on to wherever he could go. And she watches from afar. And sure enough, Pharaoh's daughter finds baby Moses, takes him out of the river. And Miriam goes up to her and says, basically, hey, I know somebody that can, you know, breastfeed this baby for you if you want to keep him. And I'm giving you guys, obviously, the cliff note version. And guess what? Pharaoh's daughter says, sure, bring her to me. I want to keep this baby. And she goes and brings her own mom. Her mom ends up being the one that gets to. Anyways, you got to read the story. But there, the first picture we see of Miriam as a young child is the bravery. You didn't do stuff like that. You didn't go up to Pharaoh's daughter. You didn't go. I mean, this was a brave, brave child. So we see that early on with her. And then eventually, as she grows up and goes with her brothers to lead the Israelites out of Egypt, they get through the Red Sea, a bunch of complainers, a bunch of all these things, people doubting, people probably so scared, worried, all the things. God finally brings them through and she is seen leading the women in worship. She basically rallies the troops and, and motivates them and gives God praise. And they have a big worshipful session. So with Miriam, what else do you want to add to that, honey, as far as her story? Or what are your first thoughts and takeaways from what we see of her? I love this story because, I, again, it's another picture uh, that points to Jesus. You know, the whole Bible, the whole Old Testament stories always point mm -hmm. to the New Testament truth that Jesus has come to be our redeemer, um, to come and set us free. He was the sacrifice, the last sacrifice we would need for that, the one and only, right? So again, another picture of Christ and the sacrifice. Um, but I think what also stands out to me the most when it comes to the story of Miriam is 
when they came up out of Egypt and they cross over um, the Red Sea and God parts the Red Sea through Moses and then he closes it. Okay, they're in the promised land. But here's the deal about the promised land. If you guys know scripture at all, it was filled with giants. It was filled with more battles that needed mm-hmm. to be fought. Mm-hmm. Uh, the The children of Israel would come up out of slavery, but they would also need to struggle and to find their way through the desert. And they would do that and wander for 40 years. Mm-hmm. But Miriam chose to see that even though they were out of slavery and now needing to um, to take the promised land, right? Mm-hmm. It was something that they still needed to be won. And it, and it wouldn't be won until Joshua who was a mentor who was being mentored by Moses, Joshua would be the one that conquers mm-hmm. the promised land and starts walking into the to the promise. Uh, with Moses, he'd have to lead them through. But Miriam had this unique ability to optimistically see that even though the current circumstance looked dire, right? The the people look back and say to Moses, at least we had water. At least we had this and when that. we were slaves. <laughs> when we were slaves. Right. And now begin- we're out here. With now nothing. we're out in the wilderness. We don't have any water. We don't. Mm-hmm. And God would provide manna. He would mm-hmm. provide water from the rock. You know, He'd provide all of those things. But Hannah had this ability to see a brighter future than her current Miriam. reality. Miriam, yeah. excuse me. Hannah Miriam. too. <laughs> Hannah too. But Miriam, in this circumstance, mm-hmm. saw a brighter future than mm-hmm. her current reality, and she chose to worship God despite that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's just so striking here about this image that can often be so overlooked when you're reading the Bible is this moment where she just starts worshiping God. Yeah. <laughs> like, not even you guys, I don't know what you think about worship. If you think like, oh, you know, this is, that's not what it says here. It's, she was like, she had the tambourine. She was, uh, Miriam is the person I'm going to be hanging out with, basically, because she is the <laughs> life of the party. At least this is how I envision her. And she is the one to go first. Leaders are the ones that are willing to go first. That's a leader. Even to the unknown, they have the ability to just say, I'm going to go first. I don't know all the answers, but that's leadership. So she truly does exemplify a leader in so many ways because she's the first one to throw up her hands, start singing, start praising God, start thanking God for what he just brought them through. And sometimes, you guys, I will tell you what, we're human. We get so focused and we get so um, inundated with the next things. Well, how are we going to make this car payment? How are we going to do this? We're going to have to move. What new job are we going to get? Well, the kids and, you know, our, our, whatever, it, life gets crazy, right? Especially when you have kids and all the things. And you're looking so far forward that sometimes we forget to look back at the valley or the trial that he just brought us through and say thank you. And just a, a pro tip for you guys, that's often how you get through the next valleys is you have to stop and look back at what he's already been faithful enough to bring you through. And we so often forget that because all we see is what's right in front of us that's hindering us. Let me read to you what she said. Ephesians fifteen twenty through 22. The words to Miriam's song are this, sing to the Lord for he is highly exalted. Both horse and driver he has hurled into the sea. Now, She goes on and on, but that's where I'm going to stop right there because she acknowledges, number one, who God is, that he is in control. God is in control. You guys, do you know that sometimes that is the only prayer I can pray? I just have been in so many points in my life where I've been on my knees or so distraught or so just lost for words that I just go, God, you're in control. I just trust you, God, you're in control. Sometimes that just is the only prayer you've got, and it's good, guys. Acknowledge him. It will... 
it will it will put your perspective right when you know that he's the one in control, not you. And then second, she says he has hurled them in the horse and um, rider into the sea. Basically, he got rid of all my enemies. She didn't have to do anything. Sometimes when you're fighting battles, you guys, you have to understand that the battle is not yours to fight. It is the Lord's. Yes, we're responsible to take action through things. He's going to give us things we need to do possibly while we're waiting or what places we need to move, things we need to say. But the battle ultimately belongs to the Lord, you guys, in this life that we live is when we're following him. And, and when you know that he's in control and when you know that he's going to take care of any enemy, trouble, trial or circumstance you have, I don't know about you, but that puts me at peace immediately, you guys. Yeah, here's a life hack, life tip that I learned from this lesson is I want to be around people like Miriam. Yeah. We are the average of our of the 10 people that you're around the most. Yeah. And if you're not around people that are better than you, that are optimistic as you, mm. or that can help lead you to a better future for yourself and for others, mm. then you need to get yourself around some new people because the truth is if you surround yourself with negativity or you surround yourself with pessimism or people that are more pessimistic than they are optimistic, then guess what? You're either going to influence them to be better and to grow, to be more optimistic, or they're going to influence you. And what I've learned in this life is that more than likely they're going to be influencing Mm. you to be more negative. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, They're going to be influencing you because, you know, I I hate to say this, but misery loves company. Mm -hmm. And people that are pessimistic want to surround themselves with others that are going to feel down about themselves Mm -hmm. and are going to help, you know, basically throw a pity party. Right. But Miriam doesn't do that. And those are the type of people that Connie and I want to surround ourselves with. Those are the type Mm -hmm. of people that I want to be around as a leader. I want to learn from leaders who know how to lead with an optimistic perspective of a brighter future. Mm. And that's what Miriam had this unique ability to do. That's what Mm -hmm. Moses and Aaron had this unique ability to do. Hey, maybe it just ran in the family. Mm -hmm. But they didn't start that way. I mean, I, I was just reading the story about uh, Moses and the burning bush in my daily reading, and he gave God so many excuses why he wasn't the right yeah. person. <laughs> yeah. And how many times have you been in leadership where you just you're like, I'm not the right person. You got the wrong guy. I have no idea what to say. Mm. Uh, but God, again, continues because faith is, is a muscle that has to be stretched. Mm-hmm. And this family over time continued to work that muscle of faith and continued to exercise the muscle of faith. And you just see it in this explosive moment with Miriam. And Moses and Aaron collectively all together being used by God to, you know, free, free the slaves, so to speak. And so those are the kind of leaders I want to be around. That's the kind of people I want to be around. And that's, I think, mm-hmm. a big leadership life hack is to look at the people that you surround yourself with. Yeah. Am I growing to be better? <laughs> if you're not, then look around you. Look at who's influencing you and make a change. Be honest. Make a change. And... One of the, I think, big takeaways that Connie and I were talking about with this story for us is I want to be an optimistic leader, and I've been studying and learning from optimistic leaders my whole life, and one of the unique things that I've learned from them is that they have such a unique ability to share with others a brighter future than the current reality that we might be faced with, Mm. and they not only take it to that level, but they take it to a, a step further, which is they get others rallied around that same vision yeah. and they get people empowered to help achieve that goal together. Mm. That's the kind of leadership. That's the kind of leader I want to follow. That's the kind of leader I think that I desire to be and become. 
ultimately Jesus is that model, um, in the way that he led. So, yeah, I think that as we kind of end this conversation, it's really for you. A big question I love to ask people is, do you have the ability to envision a brighter future than your current reality? If your answer is yes, awesome. Then your next step is how do you get others rallied around that same vision to help achieve that goal Mm -hmm. and achieve that brighter future? If your answer to that big question is no, then I would look around you. Who are you surrounded by that you've given more power to control your circumstance Mm -hmm. than you have? Because the truth is you have the power. You have the ability. You've just given someone else the the choice for you. Mm -hmm. You've just given it away. I would just encourage you to take it back. Take back the power that you have to see that Mm -hmm. God has a brighter future for you. God has a bigger purpose for you than your current circumstance reality that you live in now. But it's going to take some action. Mm-hmm. It's going to take some heart to heart. It's going to take listening to a podcast like this and mm-hmm. maybe checking yourself a little bit mm-hmm. and uh, making some changes, taking some notes, mm-hmm. getting around a mentor or um, or a friend or a partner that you can lead alongside with to help mm-hmm. you get to that place. But I just want to encourage you, think about that question. Think mm-hmm. about how you relate to this story. Are you around people like Miriam? If you're not, get around people like Miriam. Yeah. <laughs> I want to encourage you to do that. Yeah. Oh, so, so good. I honestly don't even have anything to add to that because it was so good. I want to end, though, with what we do every time, you guys. First and foremost, thank you for sharing. When you guys share, like I said last time, it is what encourages everybody. I can talk so much. Phil can talk so much. But when people see other people learning and growing, there's just something about it that encourages them. So if you could be so kind to rate my podcast, give it a rating um, and and share your takeaways, though, and tag me, share your thoughts, share your takeaways, share something that, you know, you're working on. I love it. It inspires me more than you could possibly know. I need to see all of those things and they always come at the right time. And then to the questions we asked you from both Hannah's example and Miriam's example, Spend some time on those, you guys. Spend some time this weekend and just really take an inventory. I know I'm going to be doing that. Phil and I, we just did prior to even talking um, with you guys. So share the takeaways. Thank you so much, honey. Thanks for having me. I love you being on. We're going to have to have more of Phil for sure because I know you're all going to ask for him to come back on. Love you guys so much. We will be back next week, and we are going to close it out with our last two iconic